that um, kind of overtook my thinking here. I'm glad it did. It's, um, it's a good thing to, um, to see what God's doing in Christ. He's the express image of the Father. He still is. He, when He comes and He lives in you and He abides in you uh, through the Holy Spirit, then things are manifested in and from you that are an image of God. See, he, 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 when He takes residence in you, He says, I and the Father, right, will come and make our abode in you. That, that means that you're going to have, now not to the same measure as Christ, but to a measure, you're going you, to express the mind of God, right? To all those around you, especially to yourself. See, you're going to see things because Christ is in you that only could come from God. They came from God to Christ, through him to you, and then you can manifest them to those around you. So the riches that are in Christ are yours. They belong to you. See, God's given us, he's given us his son. Not so we can just sit and look at him. It's so that we can see God in his image. We're changed into the same image. These riches that are in Christ, they're exceeding. I like this exceeding factor. This is a, a modifying word. It's, it, it shows you that the riches are greater than this world. And in this context, he's showing you that what you have right now is not all of what God's going to give you. See, it talks about the exceeding riches of his kindness in the ages to come. This is the only place in the scriptures where this term is found, ages to come. There's a lot of references to what it means, what it's talking about. You, re you read from the very beginning that this everlasting father, you know, this, this one that is without days, had no beginning, had no ending, has no ending. This is the, the concept he's talking about here. It, the ages to come means that, that there's more to be seen about God that can be seen in this small yes. arena. See that right now God created the world in order that he might display his attributes. Now he has, and, and he's gathered together, he will have, when it's all done, many sons, right? A, a, a host a host of people that he has taken away their sins. He's transformed them into the image of a son. And now he's going to get to work, right? There's something that's going to be done or accomplished after this. And this, this is a very salient thought. He's going to show us the exceeding riches. Those that, they, they go far beyond our present comprehension. See, now we're seeing the borders of the kingdom, we just come in, and we've seen that God's merciful, that he's kind, that he's just, <laughs> he's honorable. He always does the right thing. And so he's been working in us to get us prepared to in, inhabit these eternal habitations. See, we, we really don't know what eternal means. We read in the scriptures, we, we, we can kind of see a glimpse. But see, God is eternal, and so we, when we're, when we awake with his likeness, see, well, we're going to move into an understanding that is not really possible. We, we can kind of see it, but then again, the bulk of it's on the other side. We're going to, these exceeding riches, 
They're not really for here. They don't fit into here. They wouldn't be even useful here. He's getting us ready for great things to come. Great things. God's eternal purpose is larger, greater, and more productive than any created personality can fathom on their own. There's no way that you could dig in the ground and find out anything about God. Say, well, but he he created the earth. Well, this is something that God has kept this to himself or for himself. He reveals himself to whomsoever he will. Why? Because he's God. We're not God. And so he's, he's showing us himself. And so if he hadn't, if God had, had not determined to reveal the aspects of his character, there would be no reason for an earth. There'd be no reason for him to put up with sinful creatures that are, you know, consider the flood. What God, he, it said he grieved him at his heart that he even created man. Why? Because God, you can offend God. God can be offended. <clears throat> but see, <clears throat> we learned something here. God's greater. God's greater than man. God can be offended at the same time, maintain his eternal purpose. See, it's not, God's never like thrown out of whack to where he just does something impulsively. No, he's been moving from the moment he had the determination to, to do this great work until it's completed, he's moved forward with a steadfast purpose. And he has nothing has shaken him. He's known from the beginning everything that was going to happen. I mean, see, you see what I'm saying? Even this concept that he knows everything, he, he can do anything. We, this is beyond our comprehension. We know we can't. I mean, if you've ever tried to just set out, I'm going to do this. Well, along the way, they caught these things called modifications. You start realizing, I don't know everything. Praise God, he does know everything. God's ways are. That's not like they might be. They are past finding out. We can't, we can't figure it out. Job saw the borders of this truth way back in Abraham's day. He was a contemporary of Abraham. He got Job, right? He's... he's God's blessed him, extremely blessed him. Put a hedge around him. Satan couldn't get to him. Well, see, in Christ Jesus, it's kind of the same for you, right? Believe me, the devil would do a lot more to you than you could possibly imagine. But God has put you in Christ where you are off limits. He's got to have special permission to touch you. Job found out about this, that that sometimes God does give special permission for Satan to do things that... um. Unless you know God, unless you're acquainted with God, they don't sound right. All of Job's friends thought you have, would have had to have sinned in order to God in this place. No, it wasn't true. But that was their understanding. You wouldn't be, God wouldn't be treating you like this if you hadn't sinned. Well, Job knew he hadn't sinned. We learned a lot of things from the first chapters of Job. We, we learned that Satan's on a leash, Right. He can't do what he would do, or the, well, every man would be dead. He had to kill Adam and Eve before they ever left the garden. But see, he can't do. He just can't. He's under God's control, and he has to have permission. We also found that um, when Satan is given permission, he doesn't linger, does he? Satan doesn't miss an opportunity ever. You leave a a door open for, for the devil, and he'll move right on in. He did it with Job, didn't he? 
God removed the hedge. Satan went right to work and killed almost every one of his servants except one of each of the groups so they could come back and report what, what had happened. And then he killed every member of his family except his wife. Now, later you find out this is the mercy of the Lord, wasn't it? At the time, it may not have seemed. She, remember, she got to the point where she said, just curse God and die. But see, God was going to bless him in the end. And he was going to use this same wife to do it. I thought, that's God, see? God knows what he's doing. He went right to work. But what conclusions will Job come to? Now, remember, he had no Bible. He didn't have any commentaries. We, he, didn't even, he didn't even have social media. He didn't have a Facebook account. What's he going to do? Can't go on there and ask your friends, well, what should I do? He didn't even have a cell phone. Now, I talk about ancient. He didn't even have a computer. What's he going to do? He's got to make this decision all on his own. This is what he said. I'm going to read uh, Job 9, 4, verse 4, then 10 and 12 and 32. I'm going to put them together. He is wise and hard. Tell my God. This is Job talking now. This is his commentary on what's happened to him. He is wise and hard and mighty in strength. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? People today, they they harden their heart against God. They'll say, why did you let this happen to me? Job didn't do that. Job says, oh, wait a minute. You can't, you can't be hard against God and then expect any kind of good result. He, he, he had a larger picture of God than a lot of the modern Christians today do. Why? Because he believed. He believed. God showed himself some, some good things to Job. He says, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. You see... You just an acquaintance with God brought Job this kind of understanding that you can see how much more the church has been given. But Job was faithful with what he was given. When trouble came, this is what he said. It says, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away, and who can hinder him? Job knew he wasn't anything he could do to undo what was done. But he knew one thing he could trust that God could. Who will say unto him, what doest thou? You know, we all know this. We're living in a time when this has like become the norm. Something bad happens and they're like, God would never do that to me. Well, who do you think did it? Who do you think's in control? He says, for he is not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Now, see, we know because we're in Christ that he's opened up a way that we can actually come to the Father now in Christ and let our requests be made known. But look, look at the heart that Job had. He knew this provision hadn't been made, and he knew God's on a different level than I am. So what did, what was he, what did he have to do then? some point in time, God asked him a question. He said, I put my hand on my mouth. I'm going to be quiet because I don't understand. He was actually light years beyond a lot of doctrine today. We live in a generation that, for the most part, has lost this perspective about God. 
And it's the church's job now, there's a pillar on the ground, to hold up the understanding of what God is, who he is, what he's doing in Christ. Well, when this, is, when this falls in the street, well, so does the confidence that comes along with trusting and believing and following and, and understanding God. God will reveal himself. He will. He proved it in Job. If you'll trust in him, he'll reveal himself. Now, in the day we're living in, we've got a lot more revelation. We don't just have Job's record. This is what the Apostle Paul said about it. It's the same kind, of, same kind of truth. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. You say, can you figure out who's God, who God's going to save today? Like right now in this hour. Could you possibly look out there and say, He's going to save somebody in Indonesia that's walking by a tree. Well, I hear people say stuff like this, but it's just a bunch of baloney. God knows what God's going to do, and God does whatsoever he will. He doesn't come down and ask men, what do you think we should do? God's working salvation in the midst of the earth. What we get to do, if you're walking in the spirit, you get to, you can perceive when someone has been given faith and they come in and they talk, talk to you and they tell you what God's done. You can fellowship with them, can't you? You can say, I, I had that same experience. And now see, that's. There's parts that are God's job. It's God's work. And then there's other parts that it's ours. We, we, we've been given to believe. And so I, I'm, I'm going to come to the conclusion is believing is what we ought to do. And when we do it, we'll find all kinds of avenues that he opens up to us. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? I don't remember every time when he ever came and knocked on my door and says, Bob, what should I do? No, no, see, that's not God. He, he, he has his counsel in himself. That's his counsel. In other words, he's true to his character. So he doesn't do anything that isn't just. He, he just doesn't do it. He doesn't do anything that isn't holy, that isn't righteous, and, and, and you find out as you search out God that these characteristics define what God will do. He won't do something against them. And so see, we, you can trust God then. You can trust him, explicitly trust him. <clears throat> or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him. This is this is in Romans. This is part of the, the, the new covenant. That, well, he's given you this perspective about God as you ought not move out further than your understanding of God and do things that are like, well, I don't know, maybe this, maybe this might be okay. No, if you filter it through, is God happy with it? You'll know. You'll know. God's here. He's with us. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, see, what we just talked about is the ages to come. All right. Now, we're experiencing this now, what we just read in Romans 11, 33. We're experiencing it now, but our hope is transporting us to the ages to come. When we'll be joined to him, we will never again have to be separated. We'll have a new body like unto his glorious body, and we will experience this God that right now it's sort of like we have the just the first fruits, just a sense 
And it's enough. It'll, it'll lead you into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It'll, it'll, it'll make you sanctified, separate from the world. Remember back um, Deuteronomy 32, Moses had been given a special blessing the day when God showed him his glory. Remember, Moses was talking to the Lord. The Lord said, I won't go up with you. And he said, well, then we're not going up. We're not going up without you. And then he had made this argument. How will they know that it's you? If you don't go with us now, see this talk about provoking the Lord, this provoked the response from God. See, he saw in Moses one that was trusting in him and he didn't want to take one step without him. And what did God do? He answered his request. He said, show me your glory. I want to see it. And he told him, you know, you can't see my face, but I'll, I'll let you see the back parts. Sometimes I think. You know, in Christ, we've been given to see the treasures, the riches of the blessing that's in Christ. We're come, we've come much closer. He can talk to us face to face, but it's still through Christ. It's still delivered sometimes by the hands of angels. They're ministering spirits. But see, there's coming a day when we're going to see the face of God Amen. and we're going to live. Now, that's the important thing. Yeah. And some people have seen the face of, but they didn't live. See that God is holy. If there's any imperfection in you at all, well, then that that very vision will be the thing that consumes you. Even though Moses would not given see God's face, what he was given was so glorious it made his face shine. Remember, he came down off the mountain; his face was shining. And and they said, all of Israel got together and said, praise the Lord. We want faces like that, too. No, that isn't what they said. They said, could you please cover your face up? You're scaring us. Well, have you ever had that experience? Well, you you started seeing something and you were so excited about it. And well, you're just very convicting. That's very convicting. Could you tone that down a little bit? Moses never apologized for his face shining, but he did accommodate them, right? Because he he had something to say to them that they needed to hear. Oh, if they were going to be distracted with a shiny face, I'll just cover it up. And eventually, his um, face stopped shining, which tells you the temporality of this world. It didn't last. But we're moving into a place in the ages to come where it will last, (laughs) It'll last. You won't have a moment when you, what was that? I know I saw that truth much more clearly than I see it today. I had it. I saw it. It was clear. And what happened? Well, after a few weeks, I didn't see it quite as clear. In heaven, you will never experience that again. In the ages to come, everything you've ever understood about God and slayed up in heaven, you're going to move into that understanding and you're going to, you're, you're going to see, Oh, I thought that was good. This is so much better when you're standing there in the presence of God, you know, well, things are made clear. I'll put it that way. They're made very clear. You won't want to leave. There'll be no need to leave. Where else will you go? As far as my record, as far as I can see, there's only two places. There's the faithful that are with God, and there's the unfaithful that are in the lake of fire. So, you see, he's making us prepared to dwell with him and not even want to leave. 
He is the rock. Deuteronomy, this is uh, what Moses said. He is the rock. His work is perfect. Right? For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. In every revelation that God's ever given, embedded in that revelation is aspects of him. See, when God expresses himself, he's expressing himself. It's him. That's why this word, it's like a light. Okay, This word's powerful. It's living. It's active. It does things in you when you give yourself to the word. Because it's real. It's alive. It's, it's just, you know, there's some people that have even formed doctrines to say that this is all of the Holy Spirit we have. Well, that's not true. But I can kind of understand what they're thinking. This is a living word. Why? Because we have a living God, and this is his word. Now, uh, see, the thing is, without, and this is what they miss, is without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't understand one word of this book. It wouldn't happen. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you in order for you to, to understand these things. He's moving us past the, um, the, 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 the temporal and getting us ready for the eternal. Now, that, that's a big work. In the beginning, see, I, I was thinking about this, the ages to come, the ages to come. Well, in the beginning, um, we, we see right from the beginning that the one who created the world has got to be greater than what he created, right? I mean, it's not going to come a time when those whom he has created, even transformed into the image of his son, they're not going to come a time when they excel past God. They just got so much and then they just take off. You know, we have one example of someone who tried to do that. His name's Lucifer. And it didn't work out well for him. He decided he was so great and so amazing and so powerful and so beautiful that he could just take over. Just take over the kingdom. Well, it didn't work out for him. It's not going to work out for him. One of these days, we already know it's in. It's in the book. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And then they shall look upon him, those that are there, look upon him narrowly. Is this the one that weakened the nations? Is, is it possible? Yeah, because what does Satan come with? He doesn't come with real power. He comes with lies. And so when they look on him, they won't say, oh, you were that great. No, he's not great. He's a liar. And he'll tell you things that aren't true. He'll say, well, God doesn't really care. I mean, look at what he's putting you through. He doesn't really care. Why? Because he doesn't even really understand God. He doesn't know God. He knew about him. He was in his presence. You'd think he would know him. But no, it takes more than just standing there to know God. None of this stuff had been, been divulged. Satan didn't even know. Lucifer didn't even know that God was forgiving. Yeah. Here he provokes him in the garden. God shows up and he doesn't destroy him. What a day for Lucifer, right? Whoa, wait a minute. What's, there's more to this God than he knew. Of course, you don't see him falling down and repenting, do you? No. You don't see that. Because, see, he, as soon as he fell, we know from Jude, he was put under chains of darkness. He can't change. He's evil continually. And now 
He is the adversary. Only an eternal God can even talk about ages to come. Now think about this in your own mind and in your own reasoning. Have you ever sit, looked at, look, you know, just been sitting there and thinking, well, you know, in the ages to come and just, I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. No, you don't, you don't think like that. You, you, if you have faith, you believe that there are ages to come because he said there are. But as far as what you're going to do there, you have to confess, I don't have any idea. He has not revealed what we are going to do in the ages to come. We have one thing that we're talking about right now, that he's going to express his exceeding kindness towards us. Right? In Christ Jesus, he's going to show us how kind he was. I'm telling you, this is... This only God thinks along the lines of eternal because we are, what, 60, 70, 80, sometimes 5, 10, 20. There, there's a day appointed to each one of us when we're not going to be here anymore. We're going to enter into a realm that is eternal. But see, right now, we don't have the capacity to, to figure even this realm out, much less an eternal realm that God is managing. I say this because see, Satan will try to get you to think you got it all under control. Well, the fact is, is that you don't. God has it all under control. And he's the eternal God. He's the one that's faithful and true. And so we, we do well to just trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lay not on our own understanding. All of our ways acknowledge him. And, what, and he'll, he'll give us what we need at that moment. The apostle Peter was fully impressed with God's ability. I think that the people that are in Christ that are pressing in, they're satisfied. Right? Isn't that what satisfies you the most? Is when, you, when you're pressing in, you want to see more of God, and he's opening his word up to you. And, and, and you're, this is the joy of the Lord. That's your strength. It is. That's what Peter said. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Now, that's where we're at now, brethren. You can't suffer there. I'm not talking about in the, this kind of suffering. You can't suffer there. When you get into glory and you're, you're, you're seated with at the great marriage supper of the Lamb, nobody's going to be suffering anymore. No more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Why? Because the former things have passed away. After you have suffered a while, this is what's going to happen, brother. This is on your horizon. In the ages to come, this is what you can look forward to. Make you perfect, established, strengthened, settled. All them things are already at work but they have an end. See, they have, they have a point where they'll be 100% realized. You won't have to be reestablished. You'll be settled. See, you, you won't have to be built up because you'll be built up. See, there's nothing there that's ever going to deplete your strength. Now, you know, we go in and out and we find pasture. And that's good. We, we need that. But there, well, we're never going to have to go out anymore. So our strength will we'll never find a time when we don't have the strength that we had yesterday. No, it's just going to get better and better and stronger and stronger. This is our God. 
He's prepared a habitation where he can interface with his people. And what's so glorious to the angels is that these people were at one time in the past sinners, rebels against God. And yet look at what God's done. He's taken away the transgression and he's joined himself to those that are in Christ Jesus. Ooh, why? Because so in the ages to come, he can show his exceeding, the exceeding riches of his kindness towards us. God did this not because he had to, because he wanted to. He wanted to. After you've suffered a little while, he's going to do all these things for you. To him, he says, to him be glory. What happened? He says, to him have dominion forever and ever. What happened? He saw it. He understood what God was doing in Christ. He's bringing all things together in one. And he's going to present it back to the Father. And he's going to say, Father... I'm going to be in subjection to you so that I can fellowship with my brethren. See, he's a man. The man, Christ Jesus, is there right now. He says, if I go away, I will prepare a place for you. And and if I go again, I'll come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's our elder brother. He's our king, our great God and Savior. And yet he's bringing us to himself We'll never again have to be separated. Never. Well, I tell you, this is worth it. Whatever he asks you to do, just do it, because this is worth it. While we remain in this temporal realm, we're called upon by God to be sober, to be vigilant, because we have an adversary. And if he has his way about it, just like if he would have had his way about it in Job's time, Satan would have killed him in an instant, but he couldn't, could he? He couldn't. God lowered the hedge, and he said, you can touch him, you can do it, you can touch his body, and he did instantly, but you can't take his life. And brethren, as long as you remain in Christ Jesus, he can't take yours either. He can't. It's impossible. Say, well, he could kill the body, but he can't touch the real you. He can't. He can't even kill your body, we found out, unless he's got permission. Now, on a personal level, the Apostle Peter exhorts us to take heed, right? We've gone over this scripture before, but it's good to go over it again. Take heed. We have have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you you do well. To take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day arise in your hearts. So, in other words, when you first come into the kingdom, you're like given special grace, right? He has special protection, Special revelation. You're growing quickly, quite quickly. You know, all at once you believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, and that the Word of God is holy, and that it's living, and it'll, it, 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 you, as you imbibe it, it changes you. And you get all this, these benefits. At some point in time, God's going to, like, just step back. All right, now let's see if you can use what I give it you. Now, we do this with our children, right? We've all done this with our children. You take the, you hold onto their hands and they walk and they walk. At some point in time, you're going to have to let go, right? And they're going to have to learn to walk on their own. God's doing this with us. He's getting us ready to take the things he's given us and put them to use. Now, you were always there, right? You didn't like get in the car and drive away and leave them on the sidewalk, right? Say, well, they can walk now. That's 
They're on their own. No, that is, we wouldn't do that. Why? Because God wouldn't do that. You are made in the image of God. And so, see, God's getting us ready for, for glory. But along the way, he's got to, like, realign us. Show us, wait a minute, this decision you made, you probably made it without me because I wouldn't have led you here. How do I get some of the places where I get? Because I, I thought it was good, but wasn't the best thing. And that's on a personal level. You do well to take heed. See, when the day start is risen in your heart, until it's risen, this eternal aspect is kind of like hidden from you. You do everything for the now. For right now, I need to do this, I need to do that, and that's all necessary. But if I found this out in, in, in business. If that's all you do is just do for the now, then you're not prepared for the long run. You'll wear out before you know it, and you, you, you won't know, where do I go now? What happened? You didn't prepare for the long, the long haul, the long run. And that's what he said. The day star is when Jesus becomes your everything, when, when, when you would lay down your life for him. See, the, now you've moved into another realm. You've moved into another place where Christ now and God's going to give you things, you things personally, so that you can, you can be made ready for this eternal realm. Now, the, the preparation, the first, the first works, they were important, but they were in order that the day star might arise in your heart. You would see things more clearly, and you would be able to be used more productively by God in his kingdom. Now, at a corporate level, if a church is weak in these major areas, like, and I just, just highlighted three of them, preaching the gospel of Christ. What if a, a church is deficient? In other words, what they say isn't true about, about Christ, about what he's done, about the gospel really is. What if that part is skewed? Well, see, the, 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 that by its very nature, God's going to have to do something about that. He's going to have to do something. How about if they, they fail in their teaching? Right? Or, or, their, or the feeding of the body. They don't, they, you, you come and, and whatever happens, you know, and I'm not the judge of this, God is, but, and the people, really, the people are the judge of this. Because if you go home and you haven't been fed and you're not nourished and your faith is waning, you're going to have to reevaluate what's going on here. Am I going to keep doing this and end up dead? I wouldn't go to a restaurant that only fed, you know, like cardboard. I wouldn't do it. You know, you give yourself, you go there, you pay them good money, and all they ever feed me is a cardboard sandwich. This is, this is empty. It's worth nothing. And yet I keep doing it every week. I go there, you know, I think, well, you know, it's been going there so many years. You know, that cardboard's kind of tasting pretty good now. The fact is that you can't live on it. It's good. You're going to die. So see, this is, these things, are, if this is going on, then you have to become alert. Wait a minute. I got I to gotta find some place where I, my soul is going to be fed. I won't end up in the gutter. And now, Jesus, he's faithful. Remember, he's, this, is, this is God at work, the expressed image of God in a person, in a man. That's Christ Jesus. And now, so he, he, just like we're sometimes alarmed at our children when they make bad decisions, and we want to help them. We want to say, wait a minute. This is, think about this. You give them good advice. 
Jesus comes to the churches in the first three uh, chapters of the book of Revelation. He counsels them, right? He counsels them. Why? Because he's faithful. He's a faithful Savior. He counsels them and he tells them to do some things. Repent. Do the first works. He says, otherwise. See, Jesus has an ultimatum whenever someone's living in the world and they're, they're connected to his body. It comes a time when Jesus is going to not just give them good advice. He's going to give them an ultimatum. Either you repent or I'm cutting you off from the church. You won't be a part of another. He says it like this. I'll take away your lampstand, your candlestick. I'll take it away. You won't be a church anymore. I said, well, that's kind of negative, kind of serious. It's very, very serious. And it's very, very negative. It's something that none of us wants to happen, right? We want to be built up. We come to the assembly to be built up. We'll see. He tells them, remember from where you were fallen. Remember when, when you first came into the kingdom, all right? How, gr- how glad you were that God made you part of his family. Somewhere along the line, you, things got it skewed off, and what has happened? Holy Spirit, he'll make you aware of it right then. All right, this is not, not right. We've got to make some adjustments here. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. He wants us to be, to be joined with him. But see, sin can't be joined to the Lord. There is no sin in Jesus. Right. See, a candlestick holds a candle, and a candle illuminates the room, right? Yeah. So why is it that, that, and I used to travel a lot, and I would visit a lot of different churches. I mean, a lot of different denominations. I love to do that. Go in. I've never been to this church. I've never been to a brethren church. I have now. I went in, sat, and observed listened, went into Catholic churches, went in Presbyterian churches, went into uh, Pentecostal churches, a lot of Baptist churches. And, and I just listen. What is the substance of the things that they're hoping for? What are they really teaching? And um, I wasn't their judge. I wanted to know. I didn't know. You know, I'd only been a, for years just, just gone to one church. And over the 20 years that I did this, I noticed some of them, they didn't have a candlestick. They thought they did. They thought everything was fine. But they didn't. Their focus wasn't on God. It wasn't on God's Son. It wasn't on on eternal life or on being gathered together in one, in Christ, and being presented to God. None of that. What happened? Their candlestick, if they ever had one, was taken away. If you don't focus on Christ, if Christ isn't the reason that you believe, you have believed another gospel. And so what I what I my my takeaway from that is that God is gracious. He's he's kind to us. Why? In what way? He'll reveal this to you. Do you really want to know God? Well, you stay with Jesus, and he'll reveal the Father to you. And he'll show you he's so merciful when you've gone a little bit off. He does this, and I love this about God. Without Jesus, really, we are without God, right? There is nothing good. If, if you don't have Jesus, you don't really have anything, because you can't have God without Jesus. 
He is our mediator between God and man. So, see, he's, we, we don't want to be without Jesus. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you, are sometime, you who were sometimes far off have been made close. Jesus brought you close to God, closer than, than you could ever get on your own. God's extended himself in your salvation in a very personal way. In other words, he isn't just saving groups of people. He's saving you personally, right? Why? Why, why, would, why would Christ go to all this trouble because he's building... And this is, this is scripture, now, Ephesians 2.22. In whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So God, see, he's not just making a place for you, although this is, this is how we, every one of us came in one by one, right? Per- personally, you were saved, but you were put into a body which altogether assembled is going to be a habitation of God. Now, you know, if I'm going to build a house for um, Sister Anita and I, you know, that's going to have to accommodate our needs, right? We're going to have to look at what we need and, and, and what, 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 what we like and, and, and what we're going to be able to live with. And, and then we're, we're going to make, customize it for that need. Well, see, think about that and then think about how do you customize and prepare a habitation for God? Well, his work's a lot harder than our work. I'll put it that way. You know, he's, he knows what God wants, what God's like. And so because he has that information, he's building the church to fully be ready for God to move in. Now, if I didn't really know what Sister Anita wanted, and I said to me, well, she'll just have to put up with this. Yeah, you know, we have the, the, a half sink, a little mop sink in the kitchen. She, she won't care, you know. And the cabinets, well, let's just put them 12 feet in the air. She can get them off a ladder, and then we'll have big windows. I like that. But see, when she moved into the house, she would be like, what happened? Why didn't you counsel me? Jesus knows God is my point. He knows what God wants. He knows what God is desiring, his eternal purpose, and he's making us ready to be a part of him. Now, this is... um. We can see, and I, I love this about, about this whole, whole topic, that God's kindness is on display. Now, now, you know, it's not the only thing that's on display, right? He's, he's all of the aspects of God's on display. He's, he, he's, but see, this is, he, he's especially highlighting this in salvation. We that weren't, weren't really um, deserving of his kindness... He's lavished his kindness on us because Jesus paid the price. Now, in a closing thought, I wanted to be sure that I said this. This project salvation has not added anything to the nature of God. You say, wait a minute, he's going to get all these people, he's going to get all this, this body. God's nature hasn't changed at all. If God ever changed, he would cease to be God. 
God is is unchanging. This is the thing. He's the rock. That's what he's that's what the prophet was talking about. See, that's what Paul was talking about in Romans. He's the rock. He doesn't change. And because of that, this is what he says in Malachi 3 6. I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. If God would ever change, then we would have nothing to rely on at all. Because he is the only thing that we can actually depend on. You know, um, friends, family, circumstances, things in this world, they can change in a moment. We know this. We've experienced this in the last two years, right? We thought we had a democracy until all of a sudden we found out, well, this is something different. And I'm not a political guy. I don't follow that at all. But I do see something's changed. Something's changed. And it's actually the perception of the people have just changed. They don't have as much confidence. And very well, this could be God. So he's saying, you don't trust in government. You don't trust in, in that I, I've got this and that. I'm, I live close to a Walmart, so I'm doing okay. You don't trust in things like this. I mean, that sounds silly, but in the middle of a storm, you know, if I can get there on my bike, I'm all right. But the fact is, is that it, you can get to God anytime. He doesn't change. He's never you're ever going to go there. He's going to say, whoa, wait a minute. I know I said I was going to save you, but I changed my mind. No, he's stable. He's a rock. And so as we get to know him, as we get closer to him and he makes an impression on us and we're transformed into his image, we'll be more stable, too. And that's really the stability that you can take into the next world with you, that I, I, I trust him. And actually, I trust him a lot more than I trust myself. Thank you, brother.